Welcome to COVID Confessions by the Mad Priest, a podcast that will only last for 11 episodes. Each one, we take a local Chattanooga and do an awesome work, and we talk to them. Hopefully you had to first endure the terrible video that we made with them. I'm your host, Michael Rice, and I am not a priest. Today, as you've already seen, is with me Marie Mott, who is a Chattanooga native who grew up in the historic Churchville, Bushtown community. She's a community activist and organizer who loves helping people. Marie loves her family, reading books, and enjoying every opportunity life brings. Welcome, Marie. Thank you for having me. I think you posted on Facebook like (laughs) a month ago. There was like a stack of 30 books. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? Seriously, how like I I was genuinely confused. <laughs> I haven't read thirty books maybe since high school. Like oh, I'm man. I'm saying since between high school and now, I haven't even read thirty books. So I was very impressed. Needless to say, thank um, you. So yeah, I can see that that's that's in your bio. Um, man, I, there's so many ways we could take this. Um, okay. You know, uh, I, I'll give a quick shout out. I really the first time I saw Marie was in the studio back in the day when she was on air. Um, but then kind of got to know her a little bit more just through community events, seeing her in the same place, uh, having some of the same friends. Um, and to be frank, if I was, uh, you know, telling the truth, my wife is the one that really has kind of gotten to know her more and they've spent some time discussing, talking, whatever. Um, but what I'm excited about is that Marie is a fireball (laughs) and I love that. I love that for several reasons. And the first reason I want to bring up that I want to talk about okay. is your number eight. Yes. Enneagram eight. Talk to me, girl, because Shoo. I'm an eight, too. I'm an eight, too. What? So what? Shut what's it like up. in the world of an eight? Uh, what it's like in the world of an eight, man. We are awesome people that really have the capacity to be uh, loving, caring, empathetic individuals. A lot of time uh, people don't get to see that because of our assertiveness. And because of how uh, we will come in and it's not like we really want to take control. We just want things to benefit uh, people and we want things to run smoothly and make sense. And so A's get a bad rap because a lot of times people see our intensity and think that it's pure confrontation or we're just too direct. And um, but beneath the surface, we are so gushy. Man. And mushy and lovey and bubbly people. You it said just that takes really well. takes getting to know us. I think you've been practicing that. That like <laughs> that you said it verbatim. And for those of you who don't know, if you don't know the Enneagram, which there's a good chance you do because that's what all the hip people do these days. <laughs> it's basically uh it's it's a super old, old uh personality test. I don't even know if they would call it that back in the day, but it is a modern version of a personality test. But what it does is it breaks down nine different categories that you are dominant in one, but you have wings Mm -hmm. and then you have areas that you resort to based off areas of strengths and weaknesses, or depending on your season of life. If you're a healthy person, you toward go towards a certain area, vice versa for weakness, or if you're in a a negative place in life. Um, So it is a very complicated system. This is not a Meyer Briggs. It's not a, I'm a, I'm a lion or I'm a golden retriever. Uh, it's a very complicated process that at the end of the day, instead of telling you what uh, what you are personality-wise, it actually reveals, if anything, your weaknesses and shows you how to uh, increase those into strengths and become a better person, which is one of the reasons why I really like it. But just as Marie said, uh, I, 
I'm an eight and I totally um, agree with everything she just said. <laughs> so like, how is, how has that changed your interactions with people as far as like discovering that and, and how people see AIDS or see the intensity that you bring? So uh, it was actually my mentor and my mom. My mom is an eight, uh, who, and my mentor is a two. So they were the ones that introduced me to the Enneagram. Last year was pretty difficult for me personally. And so um, I was not responding to stress very well. Being a challenger, usually if you are stressed and you're not healthy, um, you can get really confrontational and pretty volatile. And so they were the ones that encouraged me to uh, take the Enneagram so I could understand uh, what does what do I look like in an unhealthy state? And then what does that mean in my relationship to other people? Um, but um, not only just understanding myself, I think realizing that I'm an eight has made me a little bit more conscious of how I interact with people in a space. So making sure I take a step back and that I can follow just as well as I can lead, that I listen and it's not just about my perspective um, and really channeling my energy and my intensity for life and my passion for justice into a way that is constructive and not deconstructive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually surprised when you talked about volatility and, and reactions in a negative place that I didn't hear a loud amen from my wife, who's only a few <laughs> chairs over that way. Um, yeah, I think one of the things, oh, there it was, there was an amen. Um, one of the things that I, I find intriguing, the reason I started with this and talked about the eights, one, because I'm an eight and I, I love relating with other eights because we all kind of have that same like, oh man, like this is real and this is how hard it is, but there's so much positivity that we can bring. But as a community activist, mm -hmm. like we read in your bio, and being an eight, like, yeah, you can come out with some power. And so tell us a little bit about your community activism, uh, having been a Chattanooga native and what that has looked like, what it looks like now, what are some of the things you're doing, investing in? Okay. So uh, being a Chattanooga native is one of the greatest things that has ever happened to me. Uh, my family has been here for generations and have lived in the same community for decades. And uh, we didn't call it activism back in the day. Uh, I've built reading centers with my parents. We've done food drives as almost as long as I've been alive and clothes giveaways. And um, my dad was part of the, the Neighborhood Association for Bushtown and was president for a while while I was a child. So doing things in the community was not considered like a job title. It was um, a responsibility that you had for the community. And that was what I was instilled with as a child, that you're supposed to look after your community and take care of your community and improve it. So, um, you know, you grow up and you get into corporate America or business. And sometimes, you know, finding that footing as an adult is difficult, right? Because there's no handbook to life. And so uh, for a while, I was just focused on, getting the bag, making money, you know, living life like it's golden, Jill Scott, um, and, and, and just going back home. But a lot of the things that I started seeing after Trayvon Martin, uh, you know, after Mike Brown, it wasn't just that there were injustices that were happening from afar. I started seeing injustices um, happening on my radar right where I lived. And um, I'm, of course, because I'm a challenger, I'm the type of individual that can step up to a challenge. Um, and I don't believe in complaining about 
what I see. I believe in doing something about it. And so just seeing some of the injustices here locally and wanting to see an improvement for my community. Um, I did a live stream one day about um, Avery Gray's daughter who was pulled out of her mother's car by her wrist right here mm-hmm. in front of the courthouse. I did a live stream that went viral. I ended up going on the radio and that just tumbled yeah. <laughs> unexpectedly into um, me being deeply involved and getting deeply involved uh, in community and even collaborating with several groups and individuals in, on improving uh, the community and highlighting injustice here in the city. Yeah. So it sounds like that snowballed into what now is you running for city council. Yeah. Like, I mean, were you planning <laughs> on getting into politics in that sense? Absolutely not. That was <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't really anything on my radar. But I think when people see you not just championing um, causes, but causes that matter to them, and when people really begin to understand that you care about them and their lives and not just yourself. I had individuals that actually approached me to ask me to run uh, for city council, which that means more to me than actually running, is that people in my community felt like um, I was somebody that was worth representing them and Mm -hmm. being a good steward of their power. Yeah, yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about what that looks like. I mean, obviously elections are next year, mm-hmm. um, but what what are the plans? Like why, not only why are you running? I mean, I think we've already kind of hit the why, but like, what does that look like for you? What are the things on your heart and how can you, um, you know, make, make that community better? Well, I think that's been already happening for a while and even more so doing uh, this COVID-19 experience. So I believe that COVID is really forcing us to see um, some of the things that we should have been doing for a while. You know, why do we tout that internet, we have the fastest internet, but a good portion of our city can't afford or access it? (laughs) Why do we tout that, you know, we're the best looking city ever and yet we are not good stewards of our river front. And uh, we have yet to remediate soil that is contaminated all across the city with lead. Um, so part of uh, the vision that I have for the future is already being experienced right now is how do we cultivate uh, other institutions and other systems that bypass um systems that already exist that perpetuate the inequities that we've been seeing and experiencing for some time. So I'm not waiting until election and I've been pretty intentional (laughs) about that. Um, I believe that you don't, my opinion, you don't deserve to lead the people if you cannot be um, an assistance to them during the greatest hour of their need. And this is an hour of need for people, not only locally, but all across this nation because of COVID. And then we got hit with a tornado here locally. And so I believe if you can't step up in this hour and come up with solutions to serve the people, um, yeah, maybe you shouldn't run for public office. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So since you are such a book reader and Mm -hmm. you know elections coming up and regardless of elections, you're super involved in finding solutions to problems and being a part of the community, uh, what's something the last three months or so that you've read that was a huge inspiration and that really kind of implants something on your heart and mind that uh, that would maybe be inspirational to others? Tribes by Seth Godin and The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Tribes by Seth 
Going. Seth Godin. Godin. Yes. Tell us he, a little bit about that. So tribes. So a lot of how we approach um, life is often by trying to appease the people that really don't care about uh, the issues or the things that we care about. Uh, you see politics kind of structured this way where we're always trying to talk to the people in the middle. <laughs> uh, instead mm-hmm. of recognizing that there are folks on the fringes that nobody ever talks to, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that that the people who feel like they're outcasts or the people who feel like um, they're not a part of the community. And so there are a lot of individuals that um, if you focus on people that actually care about the issues that you care about, you found your tribe. And so that allows you to build a foundation of support of people who actually genuinely care about the things that you care about and you care about the things that they care about. Yeah. Uh, So tribes was absolutely excellent to, to help me wonder like, why don't certain people, you know, why don't certain individuals get what I'm saying? Well, I don't think I appeal to a particular crowd that the normal uh, establishment uh, caters to. I think I cater (laughs) to a new generation of individuals who don't want to settle, who don't want mediocrity, (laughs) who who really want to be brought in to how they can be a part of something greater than themselves. And then uh, the art of war. So learning. um, So again, going back to Enneagram 8, you know, we are extremely confrontational. So learning that confrontation is not the most objective way of um, getting something done. And uh, my mentor and me have clashed on several occasions. Usually that means that she's whooped my ass <laughs> <laughs> um, about collaboration. I'm like, I don't want to talk to those folks. I don't. I feel like I'm throwing in a towel. I don't want to concede. What you mean? We don't do that. I'm an eight. We don't do that. Okay. Okay. It's, it's all or nothing to the death. Yeah. Okay. And she's like, Marie, you can't always go to war with people. And so reading the art of war has exposed me that to going to war is actually the last thing that you want to do. You want to try to see how you can either take out the enemy without fighting the enemy um, or how you come to a stalemate or a compromise mm. with your opponent. Um, and I think that really that, that sort of spirit is more that I've kind of dug into the book, that sort of spirit, especially of collaboration is missing in politics right now. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's this click over here and this click over here. And it reminds me a lot of gang wars in my community. It's just in politics. And when you have seen that all your life, groups of individuals going to war with one another and nobody really wins, I don't want to see that in politics that really impacts a lot of people's lives. Yeah. You know, I yeah. want to see a benefit that really comes to the people. So those are my two, those are two uh, heavy nice. books for me. That's awesome. So I'm thinking about right now, people who either are on the fringes or mm-hmm. aren't as involved, not even because they're like lazy necessarily, but it's kind of overwhelming. Mm. Uh, it can be a daunting task to, not only let alone create a cause, but even just to be a part of one or figure out how to be involved. What would you say to those? And I mean, this could be for any community, really. I mean, even some of the people from your community that, you know, you know, they probably think they aren't heard, but you're trying to change that. How do we also start to change that story and narrative so that they feel like they do have a voice and that they can do things like what, what would you encourage them to do or be a part of? 
So uh, the first thing I would say, I always say is start small. I think a lot of times when we think about um, how we do work, uh, we always kind of want to have a tendency to jump to this large cause. But when you think about building power uh, from a community perspective, at least as a activist and organizer, that's something that has to happen uh, more or less brick by brick. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage people, your thing may be following and making sure kids make it from the bus stop to home. Is that the same as me going down to city council and tearing it up? No. <laughs> no, that's not. But what I'm doing is no more important. Than what, our children still need to be secure going home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your, your sort of thing may be just picking up trash. Uh, so what I encourage people, you don't have to jump into my causes. That's not really what I'm asking you to do. What I'm asking you to do is find what it is that you're passionate about and then just start taking small steps to giving yourself to the greater good of improving where you live and your community. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That's awesome. Um, obviously I know we could go on forever and ever and <laughs> dig deeper into some of these things. Um, I think the last question I'd love to kind of hear from you, especially as someone running for city council, uh, is, you know, and someone from this community natively and loves it dearly. What, for you is the biggest issue right now in our city? The biggest issue right now, it's kind of hard to split that into one thing. I know, I know. Ah, you would have to get me that way. (laughs) It's more or less two things in one, uh, because one impacts the other. I'll let you have it. Okay, education and uh, affordable housing are the, I would say are neck and neck Mm -hmm. for the community. Um, I think, we have a, um, if I could just be honest, a lackluster educational system here. Um, and we're not really preparing our children for the jobs of the future and really just giving our, our kids uh, different options because everybody doesn't want to go to college for four years to be able to have a, a job as an adult. Right. So how do we encourage kids if they want to, they want to have a coffee shop like Mad Priest, how can they identify what it means to own a business, what it means to to pitch, what it means to get funding, what it means to get community support yeah. early on um, and identify that when they're coming through school. Um, and, and I think on the flip side, when we think about development, I'm not against Chattanooga improving, but we have to be intentional about how we develop um, our, our city to ensure that what we are creating, the people who actually live here can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I would say those are the um, the issues that are kind of neck and neck, education and, and affordable housing. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, so I guess wrapping this up, how can people who may listen to this and have their uh, their minds intrigued, reach out to you, find you, follow you, hear more about the campaign when it really starts to get wild? What is what does that look like to find you? Awesome. Uh, so I am on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and I have my own website. My website is mariemont.com. You can check that out. You can find me on uh, social media. I have a candidate page, Marie Mott for District 8. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, by my name, Marie Mott, and also on Instagram by my name. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Marie, we really appreciate coming on the show and uh, had a blast chatting with you. 
thank you for having me. I certainly appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great night you or too. day or morning. <laughs> you have no idea whoever's listening. COVID confessions.